You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on promoting Black unity worldwide through conversations that help us understand ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I'm your host, Monique Russell. And today in my guest chair, I have someone who's already making me laugh. So hopefully I will be able to keep my focus throughout this conversation. He is a sales and marketing leader. He is a father. He is what I call a professional mentor, if there was ever such a word. He's a data genius and his analytical skills with sales and marketing is second to none. His industry expertise is in healthcare, and he is a diligent and dedicated professional. Marlon Addison, welcome to the show. I had to give myself a little horn. Give my... <laughs> I appreciate the intro, Mo. I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Marlon, I think you are the only person that I have actually given a shout out on this show in specific episodes as one of the listeners. And because I know you know the show, you know what the first question is I'm going to ask you. What's that first question, Marley? Where would I like to be right now? Where would I like to travel? There you go. What's so, your answer? <laughs> so typically, and we didn't get to go last year because of the pandemic. And actually, we didn't get to go this year either. But my wife and I, um, we travel to the Netherlands each year for a jazz festival. It's called Jazz Fest. We enjoy it. You know, it's it's hundreds, literally hundreds of acts. Uh, you have some features inside, some features outside. But we see new acts. We see familiar acts. We saw um, my wife's favorite, Earth, Wind, and Fire. We saw the OJs, you know, and just across uh, across the board. So it's awesome. Awesome, oh awesome. So we're looking to get back there. Uh, next year and take the entire family because next year my wife would have completed her master's in math. Yeah, she's a, she's one of those techie people. Uh, my oldest daughter would have her doctorate in physical therapy and my youngest princess, Micah, will have her undergrad. So they'll have the BA, the master's and the doctorate. So we're celebrating. Wow. And we're celebrating. Incredible. <laughs> Congratulations, Marlon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So who started this uh, travel to the Jazz Fest in the Netherlands and why the <laughs> Netherlands of all places? So so it started with my mentor who's uh, world travel. He spent over 40 years in the military. So it started with him, really known as Bloom, actually my wife's uh, cousin. So very, very tight-knit family. And 
he resided in Germany and he put us up on the uh, the Netherlands Jazz Fest and we just been hooked ever since. So that's that's how it started. And uh, it's been a family event every year. We just love it. We love the acts. We love the people. We love hanging out. So that's that's kind of our spot. Mm, look at that. You're going to have to also <laughs> put the Jamaica Jazz Festival on your list, too, because I think that's something that you might enjoy. Hey, look, you say jazz. I'm there. Yeah. What I <laughs> what I like about what you said so much is that, you know, it's the exposure. So your mentor exposed you to this. And now yeah. you have a family ritual or a practice exactly. really you know that <laughs> yep. bonds you guys together so exactly this is all about this is tying right in immediately to the theme of the show the bonding the connecting the unity um the exposure to mentorship bridge i want to you <laughs> bridge to you <laughs> so i want to talk a little bit now marlon i know that you are an analytic junkie okay you are you are the numbers guy it's no surprise that your wife's getting this uh credential in math of all things you are known for managing schedules and communication mm -hmm. with efficiency it's something that you've done for years yeah so if you were to apply your professional area of expertise to the climate of where we are today among black cultures. If you were to really apply this systematic approach, if you will, mm -hmm. about managing schedules, managing cultures, managing communications, where would you start? What would be your systematic approach? Keeping in mind that there is resistance. Right, see, I don't think anybody else on your show has gotten a difficult question like this. So statistically, it's funny and listening to uh, give a little bit of context and listening to obviously um, all the shows, but one with Jessica and Jennifer most recently, I think it was the two episodes ago, they did a collab um, and they mentioned Jennifer did it. No, Jessica did in particular about not being a monolith. Right. And we hear that a lot about amongst black people not being a monolith. Right. And it's true. We don't necessarily adhere to it, but it's true, right? We say that and we know that, but it kind of reminds me, and then I'll get to answering your question directly, of um, agreeing to disagree, right? And we hear that as well, too. And I, I literally didn't encompass that or understand what that meant until my adulthood, really well into my adulthood, right? I, I'll, I'll say, yeah, we can agree to disagree, but I didn't mean it. You know, I had my thoughts. I really didn't care what you thought about. I really didn't take into account your your emotions, your situations, anything, where you came from, I really didn't care. It was about my perspective. As I got older, I, I literally meant, okay, we can agree to disagree, but I hear you and you gave me something to chew on. You gave me something to think about. So that means something to me as I grew. Before, it did not. So what does that have to do with being a data analyst and putting all this together? So you have to know your audience, right? And you don't get to know your audience without listening, right? Without going back to, we are not a monolith. Like, where are you from? What's your culture within the culture? Do you identify as black or not? You know, I used to be like, hey, you ain't black. Well, hold on. Then, then we can't have a conversation, right? So I can't be short-sighted that way. I have to start with what I have. In short, meet people where they are, right? Whether you agree with that or not, meet them where they are, and then not to put people in a data set, but you know, just to answer the question, 
we, we tend to lump people. Okay, um, you know, we, we have colorism too, right? We have that, oh, you're light, you're brown, you must think this way, or you must do this, or what are you doing with that person? You shouldn't be, what's, what's normal, right? So we get into how do you define normal, what's normal? I don't define that. Um, I used to define normal, but I don't because all these people in the world, how can I say something is normal? It may be something that I'm used to, or Marlins in particular normal, but it's not. So from a data perspective, I just look at you know people and, and I try to listen and see where they are in that particular moment, not just in life, but in moment, because we change from moment to moment. So it's just about listening, knowing where people are emotionally, uh, physically, where, where they've come from and how different experiences have uh, impacted them. You know, And some of these things we know, but we really don't act on. So I try to act on that and say, okay, all right, that's where this person is coming from. I can draw from an experience and maybe have a deeper conversation for them. But what's key for me is, and especially dealing with data, because I'm usually very prescriptive, I can't be prescriptive that way, right? I can't, oh, okay, that's Monique. This is what you need, Monique. This is where you fit in. I know your background. I know you know the islands. I know Nigerian. This is where you fit in. You can't do that, especially with human lives. So I try not to be prescriptive, although in my work, I'm very prescriptive. So it was a long-winded answer in different directions, but hopefully it, it came together for you. I love it so much, especially the, the part where you say you can't really do that with human lives. And, you know, this is why I say, you know, it's, it's such an interesting blend, Marlon, because you have the creativity piece, you mm -hmm. have the empathy piece, but you also have that prescriptive, logical, data right. analytical mind, which is... <laughs> I'm going to use your words here in air quote, not the normal <laughs> uh, for what people stereotypically consider to be those who are logical, analytical um, oriented individuals. And so with that, I want to just really touch on what you said when you, you got into this new awakening around accepting that we can agree to disagree. This is something that if you can find a way to create this solution or strategy and drop it into every organization in the world, agreeing to disagree, conflict resolution, um, yeah. not really taking on, you know, someone's response personally. When right. did you begin this shift? Because to go from, I don't care... <laughs> To, yeah, I really didn't. To we could agree to disagree. That just didn't happen overnight. When did you begin the shift and what was part of that process? Oh, so now it's going to be a third. See, Moni, she's drawing it out. I don't want to answer. You're going to answer started, today. <laughs> it started probably late 20s. It started. And I, I really started gravitating toward truly listening which is very uh, underestimated. And again, another overused word that, you know, we hear, but we don't actually do it. So it started in my late twenties. I would give credit to my parents first and foremost, how they raised us. Now, I didn't listen to a lot of those things. <laughs> I think sometimes parents get a bad rap because they did a, a great job with all of us. I have uh, four siblings, it's five total, but my parents and then my wife, who's very uh, regimented and she's very, direct and say, no, this is what I said. And so I used to take that and say, well, you meant such and such. And says, well, that's not what I said. So I, she, she forced me to pause and listen. Right. And it's a little different with husband and wife, because, you know, the emotions can run a little, a little high. So she helped me, my parents helped me 
definitely uh, my siblings, how, how we're, we're raised and mentors. I keep mentors. I run it past them. And, um, you know, they let me know the real, like the, the mentor I was telling you about, boom, you know, Rush Dan, his thing with me is if I need to listen, he'll say, hey, Marlon, I need your undivided attention. He'll make sure no phones or anything like that, it's just you and I. And then, you know, they say, you know, I need you to have a nice big cup of shut up and listen. And, you know, I'll drink up. So it's things like that, that we have to be willing to go through and get the scar tissue. I think sometimes it's, it's painful and it is. But as I've gotten more and more used to the process, and it still hurts. So, you know, you, you listen and you take it like, Marlon, I, I don't think this, this was uh, the right way to handle it. And here's why. And he told me something very important that I keep near and dear. Well, he has a lot of things for me, but you can either make it happen, let it happen, or wonder what happened, right? So I, I think about that often, like, you know, I'm a go-getter. I know I'll make things happen. And then sometimes you can just let it happen. And that doesn't mean uh, I'm going to make an assumption where people think, oh, just allow it to happen or just not doing anything. Sometimes you have to allow things to happen or let it happen on their own. Or maybe a child that think he or she knows it all. Like, okay, you need to learn. I'm going to allow that to happen because you're not listening to me. So we'll talk after. So let it happen. It can be something you're driving and you witness an accident, you know, God forbid, but you have to let that happen. Now, after that, I can call 911. I can, you know, try to offer assistance. But in that moment, I have to allow that to happen, even though it's something that's bad or tragic. So, you know, again, make it happen, let it happen, or wonder what happened. And if you don't, you know, look at the first two, you're going to end up with the third one. Like, what, what happened? So I don't ever want to be in that spot. Yeah. Oh, man. This is, this is deep. Marlon, you're, you're really giving powerful, powerful nuggets here. And what I heard when you started talking about where, when it started in your late twenties, like this transition to, you know, accepting that we can agree to disagree. I hear you mention everyone that's close to you. Those are that, that were in your family, your parents, your wife, your mentor, that they gave you this sort of direct upfront, honest approach of how you were coming across. And I just think about all of the other people uh, around us who uh, their family members either may be hesitant to tell them the truth Mm. or their family members may tell them the truth and that person still doesn't receive it. So going from, well, I, I wasn't listening to now these people all around me and my family, they're telling me, look, Marlon, I'm coming across the wrong way. You're not, yep. you're not receiving what I'm saying. You're not uh, understanding the message that I'm giving you. It's almost like you had that village heard support and everyone yep. had a similar message or a similar desire to see you change your approach. So what, what made you respect those messages? Because a lot of times family members share things that people don't normally embrace right. or accept. Right. So that's a, uh, an excellent question. Excellent question. So the short answer is I didn't accept it initially, right? It was a process. I did not. I'm stubborn. Um, and I had to grow in and of myself. I'm a fighter. Just a little background. My, my dad is a black belt. My brother's a black belt, uh, Kung Fu. Oh, you were scared um, then. That's why you listened. <laughs> You were scared. <laughs> <laughs> no, my dad is that's my man. He's he's the most peaceful, 
they get it in. But he's the most peaceful guy. Um, and he's and both my parents are pastors. So a lot of that came into play. And, um, you know, I didn't care for uh, Kung Fu in particular. So he taught me how to box. And on top of that, I had a bad attitude. So growing up where I grew up, Jersey City, New Jersey, shots out, you know, I had a mind state shift, right? I, I, I had to, I had a paradigm shift. I had to because I had a great family, still do, both parents, um, and both of them are still alive. They're in my heart. Our sibling, my siblings and I, super tight, had all of that. But growing up in Jersey City was a pressure cooker. So a lot of things I just reacted to. I didn't respond, I reacted to. It could be on a small, it could have been on a small scale. You know, we we just fought. That, that's what it was. That was my reaction. Even in college, great academically, socially, meeting different people. I was like, huh, huh. I had people tell me, you know, relax, calm down. But my immediate reaction was, okay, let's settle this. So I had to learn. So going back to your, your, your question, I did not receive it at first because of my background and because of what I reinforced initially, the negativity that I reinforced, it was hard to remove that. But once I settled down a little bit and start listening again to people like my parents, my wife, it was it was a process. And my dad was on. He was like, well, Monique, we had to keep praying. He, he'll play me out. But, you know, it was uh, it was a process. And it still is. There's certain things that I still sometimes I don't see, but I know that I'm trying. So legitimately, I can say, OK, I don't see that in the past. I saw it and I was like, well, whatever. Who cares? Right. Mm. But now it was a shift. So you saw it in the past and yeah. you're like, whatever. Yep. And and if we were to really be talking with your dad, you know, what would <laughs> what would he say, Monique, this is why Marlon started to listen? Like, did you hit rock bottom? You know, you 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 mentioned the process, but what in that process helped you? So I wouldn't say I hit rock bottom. I don't think I did. Um, and talking to some of my siblings, they said, you know, I was way out there. You know, drugs, alcohol, substance abuse was never my thing. You know, everybody has their own vice. You can put that stuff in front of me. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, but it was, you know, quick attitude, right? Easily triggered to fight. And I'm not a little guy, you know, I'm six, seven. So, you know, it was intimidation as well. And on top of that, I was enjoying being negative. I was enjoying being a jerk, right? I, I think a lot of people don't admit that. I enjoyed it. Um, so again, the paradigm shift came when I saw I was hurting people. That's that's when it really shifted. Like um, I saw that I was truly hurting people. And I knew some of this in the past, but it really didn't hit home for me until um, I give you a, a great example. My wife, she's a math teacher. She detests, she absolutely abhors, hates when her students call each other names. And she teach, uh, teaches in Trent, New Jersey, primarily black area. So, you know, they, they, they'll play the dozens. They say, oh, you're so black or this black. She hates it. She cuts it off from the root. I don't want to hear that. I know where it leads to. Knock it off. My son and I could be watching TV and I may make a comment about somebody. Or she'll just look at me and I'm just like, all right, all right. So she, she really hates that. So I see how it bothers her. And obviously she's, you know, the most important person in my life. So um, you think about things, right? And, and prior to that, I was extremely, extremely selfish. So I didn't think this conversation was going there, Monique, but here we are. This is, the, this, this is such an incredible insight though, Marlon, because your, 
your story and your experiences, you know, our listeners are listening and they're being transformed. And so for, for, for a lot of us who have experienced these types of situations where in the past we weren't as welcoming, as accepting, maybe right. even judgmental, Absolutely. we want to share for those listeners, okay, this is what shifted for us. You know, sometimes it just happens where it's a snap and one day it's like, you know what, I'm done. But <laughs> a lot of times there is something that helps us to see and make yeah. that shift differently. And it makes so much sense now to see how right. you have that data portion, but you have that <laughs> empathy portion blending because you right. came to that realization that you were hurting the people that you cared about. Yeah. Big and time. so that was, that was a shift. And, and I feel like, especially for being uh, on, on this show, Bridge to You, which is all about connecting, <laughs> connecting Black cultures, we talking, connecting. we're talking about your family. And our families are the, the root of what yep. a, where a lot of healing can take place. Absolutely. So Marlon, I'm going to talk a little bit where you said, I read this portion where you said the customer relationship manager is an mm -hmm. excellent and efficient connector. Just hearing what we said now, I'm thinking about this CRM, customer relationship management tool, is in a way of building this bridge um, between your product, your clients, your service. But I listened to what you said just now, and I, I thought about it in terms of the family connection, mm -hmm. or if there was a way to scale this transformation. <laughs> How do you see a tool, maybe not literally, but what tool would that be? A CRM, what type of tool could we use to bridge a connection among self, among Black cultures, among Black family? I really want to talk about the Black family because that's what you're highlighting for us today. So, so another great question. I would say with the customer relationship management, and just to put some context around it for those who are listening from a business sense, I'm a big proponent of Salesforce. So when you think Salesforce, you think something that can capture, can track, and that's repeatable. So again, capture, track, and repeatable. So for your, your question, uh, Monique, I would say the Bridge to You podcast, right? It's trackable, it's captured, whether it's telephonic or whether it's video, and it's repeatable. You can listen to it and you can share it and you can pass it on for posterity. So that would be a, a great example of a CRM as far as connecting Black folk with a, with a unified message. Again, we're not a monolith, but you can learn different stories about people. So again, you can track it, you can grab it anytime you want, you can capture it, and then you can make it repeatable. Um, mm. And that goes the same with any sales process. And again, we're talking about people, but it's the same thing, right? With families, certain things that we reinforce at home. Uh, our family is big on education um, and not just education in the traditional sense, but whatever your trade is, like, go for it. I'm a maximizer. I believe in going in your lane and just, you know, ripping that thing apart. Go for it. You know, just just maximize it to the fullest. So, again, it, it you know, we, we, we can have different podcasts as a CRM. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Salesforce to capture and track data, which I do at home because I use, um, you know, Salesforce. And I also use uh, Microsoft uh, OneNote. And what I do with it is. Uh, we have yearly goals, my family, and I check in on a quarterly basis. We do all these things at work, but I find that it's not repeated at home. So my son has his goals. Uh, my wife has hers. My daughters have theirs. 
um, and their real life goals uh, pertaining to their educational courses as well, but also to life. How can I be more relational? How can I be more mature and build this relationship? And we meet one-on-one -on -one with that. So we've been doing that for years and I have something that I call business nights. And I've been doing that. My oldest daughter will be 24 this year. I've been doing that since she was two. So, you know, I taught them about credit cards, even at two. She was writing a check at about five or six. You know, that's kind of dated now, but she knew how to write a check and fill it out or whatever. Uh, but that, what happens is it produces repetition, but I, I want to be clear because this is a little nuance. It produces repetition, but in a slightly different way, right? Because good begets good. If you have a system, it may be something completely different. Like, wow, I didn't think that, but it will be good because your starting point was good and your intention was good. So I'm big on intentionality that way. So I'll pause there, but that's how CRM works that way. Mm, fantastic. Listen, you, Marlon, you are doing such a deep dive here and relating to what we do on our business life and also into our home life. I recently taught on how to lead your family like a business and lead your business like a family for a group of women leaders. And I'm totally in alignment with what you said just now, because I think we have to think of ourselves as whole human beings. Yep. So far, you've already taught us how to focus on agreeing to disagree. Not easy, <laughs> not easy. Still not. <laughs> it's definitely a process. You gave us some insight into understanding that, you know what, you may enjoy being negative and treating other people negative, but pretty much at some point in your life, if you notice that you're hurting people and what does that look like? What does that even look like when you notice that you're hurting people, then you may have an awakening moment to try and choose to do something else, to listen to the family members, those that are closest to you. I, I see that as a form of love. People who are able to give you direct, honest feedback and tell you how you're coming across, I see it as a form of love. And what a blessing yeah. it is that you, Marlon, Black professional man, <laughs> have all of this loving support around you to help you be the I best do. that you are. The other thing I want to share, in case our listeners are missing all these gems and nuggets that you're dropping here on the show, is this capture track and repeatable process. So it may sound a little sterile because we're talking about business, but really and truly you can take that same process to your home life and not just goals for education, but really emotional and relational goals. I love this portion about that. So what I would like to ask you, what are you reading right now? So great. So my, my son and I, who's 12, where we have a goal of reading 50 books this year. So I'm reading, it's, it's a mix. I'm reading a lot of uh, like 12 year old books and having fun with that. But one that I'm reading now, Dealing with People You Can't Stand mm. by Rick Brickman. And I'm also kind of, uh, usually I read one book at a time, but I'm also reading his Dealing With Meetings You Can't Stand, mm. Dr. Rick Brickman. So I love those because he gets into, and it's good because it applies across the board. And I think particularly to Black folk, because again, Sometimes, you know, we're, we're together when we want to be together. But if I differ, again, agreeing to disagree, like, hold up, I'm all in talking about the side of his mouth now, this guy. So he gives different terms for, and, and I love it, like he talks about personalities who are, you can be um, a nothing, meaning I'm not saying anything in a meaning, right? You're just observing. You could be a tank, 
meaning like I'm, I'm very strong and I'm like, well, well, Monique, we should do this. Or what are you talking about? This should happen. And if, if the tank is not controlled properly, he or she can blow up and become a grenade and that's it. It just blows up the whole meeting. So I love how he breaks it down and I apply that. And you know, uh, Monique, because we both teach on emotional intelligence. So I'm big on this and I'm also big on, you know, these two books, obviously, but I'm also big on um, defining what emotional intelligence is. And again, you know this, but it's a pet peeve of my own. People would just say EI and EQ, like it's the same, but it's not. And I tell people like, you know, emotional intelligence, we can talk about it. It has four corners to it, uh, self-awareness and just being aware of others and how to control your emotions and then how to persuade people. But the EQ is actually your quotient, like your IQ. Like, you know, how, where are you on a scale? So it's not the same thing. Yes, they, they're, they're related, but it's not the same thing. Your quotient is the result. What did you get on your test? I got an 80, that's your quotient, right? It's not, you know, you actually taking the test and how you thought about it and how you relate to people. That's the EI portion of it. And, you know, just a little pet peeve. I'm like, wait a minute, don't say that. It's a difference. And if you're so, going to so use we it, will explain it. Agree to disagree. You, <laughs> you, will, you, will, you will take your own medicine on agree to disagree. <laughs> Marlon, this is incredible. I want to ask you before we begin to wrap up, what is something that you would like to share that I have not asked you about? Oh, wow. Uh, that's good. You're, make, you're making me think. And I love interviews like this because it's not canned or processed. And for those who are listening, this is not what I had planned. I had planned to talk about whatever. And Monique took me here. So I'll share this with, with your audience. I try not to do... Uh, um, a lot of podcasts or different events for my own reasons, but I could not wait. I was I was flattered and I was honored to be asked to join this podcast, not just because I'm on it, but I met Monique uh, on like LinkedIn and she's one of the few that, you know, I don't want to use the word come off because that means like, you know, standard. I see her as genuine. We've not met uh, physically yet. It's all been online, but it's been uh, great. I follow her content and this is not just something that happened. You know, it's been, I think, over a year now. I have her books. I've read her books. So that's part of the reason I'm here. So when she asked me, what do you want, you know, people to know that I haven't asked you? This, I want to talk about Monique and her platform. Um, I think she does a tremendous job. And I think it's something just uh, praiseworthy. I think sometimes we say things too much. Oh, that's good. And that's good. No, call it what it is. I think this is fantastic, Monique. I think you do an awesome job with it. Um, I don't have enough of you commissions to state, but, you know, again, her books, what she's doing for her family, what she's doing on LinkedIn and how she's preparing women in particular, um, I'm floored. So that's what I want to say. Wow. Marlon, they going to think I paid you to say all of that. No. <laughs> they they going to think that we practice this stuff. No, Marlon, no. You, all I can say is thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your words of recognition and for your words of affirmation for the show, for what I'm doing for me as a mom, as a wife, as a professional. Awesome. I can only say thank you. Awesome. I look forward to it. If you don't post, I'm like, well, what's, what's going on? You know, you I appreciate it. Because uh, there's only a few, right? Because it's a, you know, you know, a lot of people on LinkedIn, but 
you know, truth be told, we follow a lot and sometimes we comment, but it's only a select few I can count on both hands that I follow uh, religiously and you're one of them. So, you know. Well, it is, it is my pleasure. It is my honor. Um, and, and the feeling is mutual, Marlon, because one of the things that I admired so much about you is your commentary on the episodes. It's like I couldn't wait to hear what you would think about the episodes because you would break it down. You said you read 50 books a year and, and now I see why you would break it down, like what's said, what's not said, what could be taken from it. And it was just something that I continue continue to look forward to. And it's not just you reading general books, but you say you're reading 12 year old books too. So yeah. you're keeping that inner creativity alive. I think anybody who's listening, Marlon, you're the epitome. If there was a man that I would say, this is a role model for you oh, to follow that. in terms of, especially we don't elevate and edify our black men. Mm. Are black men who are leading their families. You're a family guy inside and out. Yes, ma'am. You are a data analytics genius <laughs> talking about emotional intelligence and empathy. And I think that in itself speaks volumes. So I just want to let all of our listeners know, if you want to reach Marlon, where can they find you? They can find me obviously on LinkedIn, which uh, I'm on daily, Marlon Addison. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Marlon Mentors, M-A-R-L-O-N Mentors. Fantastic. All right, everyone. Take care. And until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit ClaireCommunicationSolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at ClearCommunicationCoach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.